Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 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 well. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, the day after the Egg Bowl, no day off here. We're glad to be with you. Sports Talk on Super Talk Mississippi, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. No way you can take a day off after a game like that, a day like that yesterday. Mississippi State emerges with a win 21-20 over Ole Miss last night in the 116th meeting all-time between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, a series that began in 1901. When you play a, a, a game, when you have a series that has lasted as long as the one we saw last night, you feel like you get to a point where you've seen almost everything, and then you're reminded, oh, wait, this is college football. You've never actually seen everything. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, glad to have you along. Right out of the gate, we'll tell you that the C Spire text line is open. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Good afternoon, fellas. Borky, how are you? Doing well. Had a pretty low-key Thanksgiving. Had a whole family around, or not a whole lot of family around, and uh, spent a lot of time watching football with a sleeping baby on my arm. So, pretty good day overall. There you go. Brian Haydad, assuming you get a little pep in your step today. Not a whole lot, because I didn't get a lot of sleep up until yeah, I... 3 in the morning <laughs> doing the podcast. But uh, that said, uh, you know, I feel good. I feel relieved, we'll put it that way, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I can understand that. So I talked to you, I think I talked to you about one thirty, and then I talked to Rippy about one forty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put my head on the pillow two, maybe shortly thereafter, and then had to set the alarm to get up for uh, Paul Gallo well, this right, morning. I forgot you had Gallo this morning. <laughs> yeah, so I set my alarm for 6.45, and I think I hit the snooze bar once, and I was so thankful. We stayed at the... Uh, at the lake last night, I was so thankful that my mother-in-law had already gotten up and had a pot of coffee ready. Self-service is not great with uh, the cabin kind of sits down in a hole a little bit. So I had to jump up, grab a cup of coffee, jump in the truck, and ride around to the boat ramp and spend about half an hour on the phone with Paul Gallo this morning. So I get the uh, get the kind of moving slow uh, piece of it today. Rippy, what's up? Not much. Not much. Uh Gallo probably heard you loud and clear because I just put on these headphones and got my ears blown off. <laughs> you should have seen his face when the music started. I mean, everybody that works here at some point falls victim to the Gallo audio level. 
and Rippy at his coronation today. Now I know it's why he didn't know thing. my name. He just never heard it. <laughs> there you go. All right, quick recap, and then we'll kind of go opening comments, opening big picture thoughts. Obviously, the dominating storyline, not just in the world of sports, but on the Today Show and on CBS Sports This Morning and on the Guardian website out of the UK and on Drudge Report and on CNN.com and CNN International and FoxNews.com and everywhere else you look today was the um, dog urinating in the end zone celebration, which hopefully at least if you're an Ole Miss fan, has made its final appearance in the history of forever. Forever! We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, Mississippi State took an early 7 to nothing lead. They got the ball to start the game, went 3 and out. Ole Miss got the ball back and moved methodically down the field and looked to be in control. And given the conversation that we've had throughout the course of the week, you couldn't help but think, Oh, wow. Look where this is headed. And maybe Mississippi State is looking for a reason just to mail it in. And then Jerry Ealy fumbles the football. Mississippi State gets it back, goes three and out again. Ole Miss does nothing offensively, and then Mississippi State on a Nick Gibson 27-yard touchdown run with 6.42 to play in the first quarter, leads seven to nothing. Bulldogs added to their lead with 11.22 to play in the second quarter on a Garrett Schrader touchdown run. That made it 14 to nothing. Ole Miss got on the board about five minutes later on a John Rice Plumley two-yard touchdown run, a 10-play 81-yard drive, 14 to seven. Rebels scored again with 34 seconds left in the first half. Jerry and Ely from five yards out. That tied the game at 14. Late third quarter, 3:24 to play in the third. Garrett Schrader got into the end zone for the second time in the ball game. This time it was a five-yard touchdown run. That made it 21 to 14. Ole Miss, with four seconds remaining in the game, would score on a touchdown pass from Matt Corral to Elijah Moore. But because of an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for the aforementioned giving the old taking a leak on the fire hydrant celebration that pushed the extra point try from the three-yard line to the 18-yard line, making it a 35-yard extra point try for a kicker who was 11 of 19 on the season, Ole Miss missed the extra point. And the celebration was on in Starkville. 21-20, the final. Hey, Dad, I don't remember. You and I may have talked about this on the phone last night. The history of the Egg Bowl is such that there are certain years that stand out. If you're a fan of Ole Miss or Mississippi State, you mentioned 1983. Everybody knows you're talking about the Immaculate Deflection. You talk about 1992. Everybody knows that you're talking about the stand. You talk about 98. Everybody knows you're talking about Mississippi State winning the Western Division. You've got the pick and the kick. And all of those things, 2019 is now a year that will only need to be mentioned by number or a game that will now only be able to mention by number. And everybody's going to know you're talking about the dog peeing in the end zone game. It's got a great nickname. I don't. I don't think I could say it on the air. I don't know if that word's allowed or not. The so piss and the miss. Oh, that's there allowed. it is. <laughs> It's already been named at good. I mean, I don't know who, who the first laugh. person to utter that was, but I'm gonna laugh every time we talk about this this thing. I'm just 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 to know on the future of this show. If you ever bring up this, I am going to laugh. I can't help it. 
Oh, and you're right. Uh, I, I did a, a, a rankings of craziest egg bowls uh, for me on, on the Thunder Lightning podcast, which is out today. And I put this at number one. I put it ahead of 83. I had 99 on that list. I had uh, 2013 on that list with Bo Wallace fumbling into the end zone. And I had 97 with uh, sort of a similar situation where Ole Miss scores and they decide to go for two and they get it. I put that one on the list for crazy endings as well. But this is... This, for me, is up in the same group that I would put like the Stanford-Cal band on the field game. Improbable, incredible, couldn't have possibly... You know, people score late and go for two. It happens, you know? Interceptions happen. A guy deciding to hike his leg like there's an imaginary fire hydrant doesn't happen every day. And, uh, yeah. So this is the number one for crazy endings for me. Let's- in the final drive of the game... Ole Miss went 12 plays and 82 yards with the air quotes backup quarterback in the game in two minutes and two seconds and converted a fourth and 24. The last three game minutes of that game were the most captivated I've been by a football game in recent memory because you had, like you said, the fourth and 24, there were multiple interceptions that probably should have been thrown on that drive. You convert that somehow, then... The ref stopped the play on, and it was the right call, by the way. I know people were mad, but the free shot at the quarterback on an offsides thing, they blow it dead. I mean, that was that was the right thing, even I, though it resulted in a touchdown. They do that every every game. The questionable pass interference call. The wide open Jason Pellerin where the ball gets dropped down. The last, that final drive, I'm t- I've never been more captivated by a football game in a long time, maybe ever, than that drive. It was incredible drama. Unfortunately, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan listening, you know, sorry that I'm talking so poetic about it, but I mean, that was fantastic television. And it was a complete and utter rock fight. Like, State gave up a fourth and 24, jumped off sides, had a PI. Ole Miss had two illegal formations penalties and looking like they literally couldn't score from the two yard line. I mean, it was just kind of a back and forth, the handing each other the game, and then Ole Miss did it in a way that you could even hardly fathom. There were... Ole Miss had it first and goal at the four. Mm-hmm. This was the this was the final sequence of the game. Ineligible downfield on first and goal from the four. It's now first and goal from the nine. Incomplete pass. First and goal, for, but, but a um, pass interference penalty. First and goal from the two once again. Rushing play for no yards. Timeout. Incomplete pass. Complete to Elijah Moore for the touchdown. And then the failed extra point try by Ole Miss. That was just the last 20 seconds of the game. We will spend plenty of time dissecting all of this game. May open up the phone lines a little bit later this afternoon with you. Get some of your reactions as well. Uh, Obviously, very differing reactions, uh, whether you are an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan. Whole lot more to come. Sit tight. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio. going on on this Friday afternoon. Sorry, I guess probably should let that play a little bit. (laughs) 
Missouri leading 10 to 7 over Arkansas at halftime. Iowa beating Nebraska 24 to 10 in the third quarter. Boise State up 14 to 7 on Colorado State. Memphis, who was a 14 point favorite, leads 17 to 3 over Cincinnati as they transition to the second quarter. Washington State up 7 to nothing relatively early on Washington. West Virginia and TCU just kicked off as well. And in the ACC, Virginia, you don't talk about rivalry games. Not, not that, not that this is a bigger rivalry game, but the pain that goes along with losing a rivalry game. Virginia had lost 15 consecutive games to Virginia Tech. They win 39-30 today. And they are headed as the representative from their division, the Coastal Division, to the ACC Championship game. And how about this? I saw this a little while ago. Borky reminded me of it just a minute ago. In the last seven seasons, all seven teams that play in the ACC Coastal Division have now participated in their conference championship game. That's crazy. And not a single one won the championship game either. That's also a little crazy. It's been Florida State and Clemson for the last... Virginia Tech is actually the last team to win the ACC, but uh, yeah, they're basically the sacrificial lambs to better programs right now. Um, So many different directions to go this afternoon. Let me start here. Attendance last night, 57,529. And I thought that was like right on the money. There were... Pockets of empty seats in the corners of both upper decks. And there was a pocket of empty seats a, kind of behind the band. And then a, kind of a little bit in the top of the student section in the end zone. That was it. Five minutes before kickoff, it really looked like it was going to be a friends and family affair. Like a, a very sparsely attended game. And then you looked up about five minutes into the game, you're like, holy cow, where would all the people come from? Packed house, great, not good, great atmosphere last night in Starkville. So for the overwhelming majority Mississippi State fan attendance last night, tip of the cap. That was fantastic last night. Great environment for a college football game. Were were you surprised at all by the crowd, hey, Dad? A little bit. It was a little bit bigger than I thought it would be. I thought it would be low 50s. Uh, And I'm with you. You know, I thought, gosh, this is going to be really rough. And then I got a text from a friend who said, the lines out here are ridiculous. And so I asked on Twitter for some pictures, and they were, in fact, ridiculous. You know, two, three hundred people deep out at all of the gates. Uh, I, I think they had to make some some changes to some protocols there to get everybody into the stadium. Because <laughs> you mean like turning right. off the metal detectors? I, 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 I think that happened. So uh, Y'all come, you hear? Yeah, it's like, we're, we're just going to scan your ticket and be on your best behavior. Uh, but that said, yeah, like you said, about one, you know, one or two possessions into the game, the stadium was full, and it was a very lively and, and energetic crowd. Yeah. Well, and it was, you know, Mississippi State fans had a lot to cheer about early in the game, and then it got tense, and so nobody leaves because it's tied at 14 at the half. It never gets more than one score either way. You had lots of drama throughout the course of the game. Uh, just a, a really good college football atmosphere. Um, and something you uh, something you had mentioned, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, happened in this game. You got both bands playing at halftime. That's right. That is right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Good point.
Um, Ole Miss has released a statement of apology from Matt Luke and Keith Carter. Joint statement here. We want to apologize formally as a program to the Ole Miss family for the disappointing and unacceptable action that occurred at the end of Thursday night's game. Elijah Moore is a fine young man who lost control of his emotions in the moment. The incident does not reflect in any way the type of student-athletes on our football team or the culture of respect that permeates our locker room. Discipline is a staple of our program, as evidenced by being the least penalized team in our league, and we will continue to uphold an uncompromising standard of behavior on and off the field and maintaining our team's high level of accountability. We will address the matter, and disciplinary action will be handled internally. That was a joint statement from Matt Luke and Keith Carter. And Elijah Moore's statement, I apologize to my teammates, coaches, and Rebel Nation for my actions at the end of the game. It was an emotional moment, and I deeply regret it. It does not represent who I am or who we are as a team, and I will grow stronger from this mistake. So those are the official statements from Ole Miss. Here's the thing that, to me, is most concerning about the Elijah Moore play, the the celebration. And, hey, Dad, I I know you said you're going to laugh and laugh and laugh, and I get it, because it is a punchline. Yeah. Well, let's just back away from the punchline piece of it for a second. Yeah. I've tried to think today, and I cannot, at least off the top of my head, come up with a singularly more selfish play that I've seen watching college football. After an, we talked about the drive a moment ago. After a 12 play, 82 yard drive that ends in a touchdown, you have a player, Elijah Moore, who hikes his leg as if he's peeing on a fire hydrant. And it's something that he saw DK Metcalf do two years ago. And a lot of people kind of laughed it off two years ago. Oh, yeah, well, you know, kids being kids, whatever. It's pretty classless then, and it's classless now. The difference is, not the difference in the action, the difference in the result, Ole Miss had a big lead two years ago in Starkville, held on for dear life, and got the win. Ole Miss was trying to tie the football game last night. And to me, the most concerning part is, that's not a reaction. Not, I scored a touchdown, boom, spike the football. Or get in somebody's face. You know, there are like, I scored, I'm overcome with emotion reactions. And then there is a celebration where clearly you've thought somewhere leading into the game, you know what, if I get in the end zone, I'm going to get to my feet, walk two or three steps, get down on my hands and knees, dog crawl, and hike my leg as if I'm urinating on a fire hydrant. Well, I mean, I, I doubt it was actually that deliberately thought out. I'm sure he was just like, oh. I'm about to shout my boy DK Metcalf is probably more the line of thinking. But he uh, had to I, think about it in advance? He had to sure, think about it Sure, I'm not advance. disputing that. But, like, what is that? Well, how does that make it any different than it was spontaneous? Like, what does that actually, like, matter? Because if it was spontaneous, like Richard was saying, you know, if he had just spiked the ball or shoved somebody, that, that kind of thing happens. This was something that was... It was sort of premeditated. It was if I get in the end zone, I'm going to do this. And there's no, Rippy, there's no consider- Rippy, as opposed to an emotional as opposed to an emotional visceral visceral reaction. He made a conscious decision that if I score a touchdown, I'm getting a celebration penalty. 
Yeah, this is like when we we just talked to Joe Horn, you know, like having a prop ready or something. And it and in that situation, you've got to you got to be smart enough to say, no, I'm not going to do that, because I, we 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 can't we need the extra point. Sure, but like personal foul, no matter how you get it, is incredibly dumb in that situation. Whether right. it was premeditated or not, to me, doesn't make it any dumber. Okay, I, I disagree with you on that. I would say that. If you just get up and you said something to somebody and you get caught for that, that kind of thing is forgivable. Not so much when you 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 thought about your dance routine prior to the to the play. And then the residual effect of it. I mean, it, look, and, yeah, you should and, still make a thirty-five yard field goal in SEC football. A straight-on thirty-five yard field goal should be made in SEC football. However, your kicker. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to a college kid, is very bad. So you not only did you remove the opportunity to potentially go for two and win the game, you put your very bad kicker in a very difficult spot to tie a game on the road, and you almost kind of knew he was missing that. You should make a 35-yard field goal, but considering the struggles that he's had from 35 and beyond, putting him in that spot, that's you've got to make the kick. But that's just a, a double whammy, I guess. Well, yeah, no kidding. I mean, you made a kicker with snakes in his head kick it from 15 yards further than he's used to in the most crucial moment of the game. Like, the just soft push to the right is definitely indicative of just kind of the moment getting him. Yeah, two I mean, things that's, for me. Two things I was just going to say, if you want to compare it to a golf swing, it's going, it's going to the tee box with negative thoughts in your head. You, know, you, you feel good about your swing, you don't even think about it, and you hit a you know, just pipe it right down the middle. You go to the the go, the 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 tee box and you think, please don't let me hit it in the water right. Please don't let me hit it in the water right. And what do you do? You hit it in the water right. I'm sorry. Hey, Dad, go ahead. Two things for me, real quick. One, a lot of people who have tweeted DK Metcalf pictures at me over the years, they got they, they got some explaining to do. And two, no apology to Mississippi State. That that's a little odd. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon after Thanksgiving. After the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State winning 21-20 last night. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-879-4395-601-
You're, you're exactly right. He, he was just a little high, made a little. I think he made head contact with the with the hand. You, you can't do that. Yeah, got put yep. in the no man's land of trying to bat the pass down, and exactly. you're up in the air, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that call was fine. The the stopping the play on the offsides was what they do. Uh, I mean, you hate it if you're an Ole Miss fan that that happened, but that was the right thing to do. I think the PI was probably a bad call. Oh, I disagree with that. And, and, and the reason I say I disagree with that, Borky, is because I was squatting about six feet behind the back line of the end zone, and he was draped all over. It was just early contact. I, maybe Now, if, if you're somebody that wants in that moment the official to just swallow a whistle and let it happen on the field, that's fine. But in terms of whether or not it was actual pass interference or not, I, I thought pretty clearly it was on that play. I agree. I thought it was pass interference. Um, from a divided house, shouldn't this be a teaching moment for everyone by Moore going hat in hand to the chancellor to apologize for the circumstances? Also, I, I don't know about that. Whatever. Well, he's got to find the chancellor first. <laughs> I saw him last night. Did you? Yeah, he was in the men's room. Also, can we talk about <laughs> how the officiating... I was going officiating... out, he was coming, coming in. Can we talk about how the officiating crews have been routinely terrible for this game and who's responsible for that? Both questions coming again from a divided house. I I may be in the minority here. I thought the officiating crew did a really good job last night considering the recent history of this game. You didn't have a ton of penalties in the game. I think Not Ole Miss yet. had five and Mississippi State had five. I didn't have any problems with the officiating. I thought it was it was pretty balanced. You know, it never got overly chippy. Um, I thought that they did a good job of keeping everybody, you know, playing between the whistles. And uh, yeah, a couple of questionable calls, but nothing so egregious that I'm that I'm willing to sit here and rant about it today. One time that I remember in the game, and it was after a tackle that Ole Miss made on defense. And guys a little slow getting up, did the teams have to be separated? And the officiating crew immediately got in between them. No flags were thrown. They got everybody back to it, and no issues beyond that. Um, Derek and Greenwood said didn't uh, says that uh, Elijah had it planned, didn't like DK doing it then either. Fair enough. Uh, Mike in Oxford says, not a personal foul. I don't know what that's in reference to. We've obviously been talking about an unsportsmanlike penal- uh, conduct penalty. If I said personal foul somewhere along the way, my bad. No, this is a guy, Richard, he's been doing this to me for years. I called a, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty a personal foul, and he, it's the same guy, blew up, the, the, it was the day you were off, blew up the text line and still adds me on Twitter about it. Okay. So, whatever. It's a 15-yard penalty. It doesn't matter what you call it. Um, Without the stupid penalty, who's to say Ole Miss wins the game right there? State had struggled since Corral came in. Um, I have no idea what the outcome would have been. I've asked a couple of people that, actually, and, and I would be curious to get your reactions. If um, Okay, let me back up just for a second. Ole Miss was kicking the extra point regardless. Yes. 
because on the broadcast, two plays before, I had already asked the question, guys, if Ole Miss gets into the end zone, do you go for two in the win or do you play for overtime? And I immediately looked after the touchdown before I saw the flag come out to the sideline and Matt Luke was holding up one finger. They were kicking the extra point. I don't know if I agree with that or not. Let's say, though, that they do kick the extra point and it's successful to tie it at 21. Who wins that game in overtime? That's a good question. Yeah, one Mississippi State fans are probably happy that's not going to get answered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I, mean, I, th- I feel like Ole Miss had a little bit of momentum. I, I thought Ripley and I talked about this a lot, and it's you know I thought that Corral, whether you liked the decision or not, it did its intended effect. It gave him a little bit of a spark. He drove him down the field twice. He just threw an interception on, on one of those tries. Um, and at State, you know, hadn't had not done much offensively in that game. Um, it it, it would have gone back. I think if it had gone into overtime, we might still be there because those two teams, I don't know how it would have turned out. Um, Let's see here. I was talking, this is from Greg and Nettleton, I was talking with a Rebel friend of mine today, and he said as long as he could remember, Ole Miss has always had a good, if not great, kicker. This guy's like 10 for 20, 10 for 19. Feel for the dude, but that doesn't cut it in the SEC. No, it does not. Um, I think you said it on the broadcast too, right? Where I mean, look, the pen, the penalty is really stupid, but you should make a thirty-five yard straight on field goal in the SEC. They, uh, you just should. They have to address it in the off season. I mean, what the Tannehill kid from Oxford's a senior, right? No, he's a junior. Really? They have yep. to get somebody else. Well, like, I, I know, I know, it's kind of like one of those things. What are you going to say and what are you going to do? But Luke kind of gave a fairly strong. I know he has the ability to do it, kind of vote of confidence type of deal last night. I know he's not going to like trash the kid and throw him under the bus. But I, I, I would have. It would have been more telling if he'd have been like, "Yeah, we just have to get better there. It's plain and simple type of thing." I watched Luke Logan for a while in pregames last night, and. He was kicking 50 yarders, and he missed one, and then he just hit one that was absolutely center cut. And it would have been good for like 55. And I'm like, oh, that looked pretty good. And then he missed the next three that he hit. Obviously, most of the focus put on the more thing, but like, Ole Miss turned it over three times in plus territory and got gashed for 200 yards on the ground. Like, where this game was won is because State played Plumley better than anyone has all year and basically dared the running backs to beat them. 38 yards or 34 yards, whatever it is, is is a pretty – I thought it was a masterful job by Shoup. And then, of course, they ran for 200 yards on the ground. Well, I looked at Haydad in the second series after State kind of was doing nothing offensively, and I thought Ole Miss might kind of run away with it early. And I was like, I was like, Haydad, this offense is awful. And then they kind of found something. And they, I think with a beat-up offensive line, they kind of deserve some credit for running because there were a lot of open holes. Johnny in West Point says, from a state fan, why didn't they play Plumley the last quarter of the game? It's a great question. I, I think there are two things at play there. One, they weren't effective at all throwing the Well, that's not true. They were more effective throwing the ball with Plumley than they had been really at any point this season. It was 9 of 14 with two drops. Um, One of them, well, that was Corral, never mind. But still, I think that 
you, the turnover, and then there was also a sack and a ball that should have been thrown out of bounds. Ole Miss was not blocking Mississippi State well up front, and Plumley clearly does not know what to do as a quarterback under duress. Because well, he has been asked to drop back the very much. Right. And the thing is, that's a, an not amazing thing. very much, thing. hardly ever. They, they don't ask him to, and last night, and really all season, he's looked his best standing in the pocket and throwing. It's when you roll him out. I mean, he's not good throwing the football on the run at all. And they they asked him to do that more. His pocket passing last night was the best he's looked all season. The ironic part about him getting pulled from that game, and I wrote about it some last night, was like, that was the first really evidence you've seen of him pushing down the ball down the field at all. He was 3-for-3 on that first scoring drive to three different receivers, and they weren't four-yard outs. He threw it over the middle of the field twice and made, I would consider it moderate to high-level throws on the money. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I would like for us to talk about Mississippi State's defense when we come back. We got a bunch more to get into, and a lot of you are sending questions on the ceasefire text line. We will do our best to get to those. Uh, one of those questions: What about Joe Moorhead's comments in the post game? We absolutely, Mick, are going to spend some time on that in the four o'clock hour, and uh, may open the phone lines up to you uh, a little bit in the four o'clock hour as well. But I think there is a debate as to who the best defensive player on the field was last night for Mississippi State. I'm curious to know, hey, Dad, if you think there was a debate or if you think it's a clear-cut answer. That's next with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. promise we're going to spend the afternoon talking about just about every angle we could come up with from the Egg Bowl last night. We've not yet talked about Mississippi State's defense. And I thought they were really good last night. And, hey, Dad, not shockingly, having a full complement of players on defense is a good thing. The return of Willie Gay, of Lee Autry, and of Marcus Murphy made that defense better than it has been without that group. Not exactly a newsflash. So I said a second ago, I feel like there's a debate here. You may disagree. If you look at total tackles in the game, Errol Thompson led the way for Mississippi State, and it felt like he was everywhere all night. But I would argue that Marcus Murphy was the best defensive player on the field last night for Mississippi State. He came up with big plays. He had the onside kick recovery at the end of the ball game. He had an interception. I thought he was everywhere. Do you agree with that? I I think he played really, really well, but for me, the guy that I, that I had my eye on as the best player and, and the guy I thought was going to be the key for Mississippi State ended up being that way was Willie Gay. Um, and he was everywhere last night, fumble recovery, had a deflected pass for a on that goal line sequence where they or Ole Miss had a guy open for, for a potential touchdown. Willie Gay and, and Murphy, too, and Lee Autry, too. I thought Lee Autry did a good job of, you know, occupying some blockers in the middle to allow guys like Willie Gay and Errol Thompson to make those tackles. That's what's been missing from MSU defensively this year. Is We all knew that Jeffrey Simmons was going to be the toughest guy to replace, but then you, you take the guy who you wanted to replace him with, and he missed eight games due to his suspension. So State had not had a guy who was just eating up blockers in the middle to allow their linebackers to get some penetration and make tackles. And that's why Errol Thompson didn't have the same kind of year he had a season ago. But tonight, or I'm sorry, last night with, uh, with Autry in there, he was able to. But for me, if you said pick one guy from last night, I'm, I'm going to go with Willie Gay. 
Well, the the reason I think ultimately I would go with Murphy, so, so twofold here, are, are two different thoughts that are kind of like double-timing, whatever. Number one, with those three guys not in the lineup last night for Mississippi State, Lee Autry, Willie Gay, and Marcus Murphy, Ole Miss wins that game. I don't even think there's any question about that. Number two, the reason that I would argue Murphy is I thought Bob Shoup's plan to defend Plumley last night was spectacular. And I really think it's the first time that you've seen somebody play almost like a true spy role. And it was almost like they had dual spies at times on um, on John Rice Plumley, And Murphy was the guy that kind of led the way in that. Yeah, I, I think State, not only you said dual, but I think they changed it up quite a bit. You know, it wasn't the same two guys or same guy every play so that he couldn't get comfortable back there. And like you said, you know, Plumley had a uh, had only had 34 yards rushing. Uh, his first carry was for 12 yards. So after that, yeah. he only had 23 yards rushing on 17 carries. Um, the, the game plan was was really well thought out, but it was also you know I think states had good defensive game plans this year, but they haven't had the players out there to, to help execute it. And like you said, having that full complement, it really shows you what this defense might have been. You know, we were talking about selfish acts a few minutes ago. Obviously, what happened with these players is is another one. They made a terrible decision, and uh, they end up having to pay the price for that. But you you got a glimpse last night, and you got a glimpse in some other games too of what this defense would have been had everybody been. Uh, Available at all times. Do y'all talk yeah. to coordinators after games? No. Uh, we don't, we, I was just curious talk- if Shoop had said anything about basically just daring the running backs to beat them. In in fairness, we we there obviously there is no offensive coordinator for Mississippi State. That's Joe Moorhead, right? Um, and we've only talked to Shoop once this season. So really, yeah, they don't, they they give us one at one assistant coach a week. He's really awesome in interviews too. I hate that. He's fantastic. I wish we could talk to him every week. Yeah, I uh, I talked to Molly McGrath on the sideline at one point and was asking her what was the the injury early for Mississippi State? Who am I trying to think? Who am I thinking about? Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Um, was there another one in the first half? Where State guy got hurt? Maybe not. Not that I remember. Miles Hartsfield got hurt for Ole Miss. Yeah, no, it was Hartsfield. So, so it was somebody from Mississippi State. Maybe I asked her about Daryl Williams. I don't remember it was. And she goes, um, they just said lower body. I was like, I just rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, yeah, I should have known better. And, and, and it, it, it came to my attention, or, or not to my attention, but it popped into my head. Mississippi State could have a player who actually has a leg amputated on the field for everybody in the stadium to see. And it would be diagnosed as a lower body injury. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Player gets decapitated. Well, he's got an upper body. Speaking huh? of legs, how about McAfee coming into my state in Jorts and Alpha and me? He made you look like a fool, Rippy. He did. I really liked yep. those guys. I know none of you watched the game broadcast. They're entertaining, I have, I have man. Since they're, we watched it, though, they're awesome. How yeah, was they, it? They, they're really good. Like Borky's saying, it's a good combination of they know their stuff and they're funny. Kind of like us. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. To start the 4 o'clock hour, we will get into Joe Moorhead. 
There was a lot of smoke yesterday, and then he might have put out the fire. Sports Talk Mississippi, hour number two, the four o'clock hour with you on this Friday. Normally we would visit with Bruce Marshall. Uh, Only time he was available was at the beginning of the show, and it felt like this was a day where we uh, had some other things that we needed to talk about right out of the gate. So uh, if you want to check out Bruce and all of his picks, you can go to goldsheet.com. Read some of their stories on rivalry games and uh, check out all that action. And you can find Bruce on Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. Memphis leading Cincinnati 20-17 to at the half at the Liberty Bowl. And that's the two top-ranked group of five teams playing each other uh, right now. Missouri's up 17-14 on Arkansas in the third quarter. Iowa and Nebraska are now tied at 24 Boise State leading Colorado State 24-14 at the half. Uh, it's now 10-7, Washington State over Washington on Fox. West Virginia and TCU uh, tied at 7 in the second quarter. You had some finals from uh, from earlier today as well, and those include, where are they? Here we go. Virginia winning 39-30 over Virginia Tech. Virginia finishes the regular season 9-3, and and they are headed to the ACC championship game. Uh, Texas fell behind early to Texas Tech, but came back and routed the Red Raiders, outscored them 21-3 to in the second half, and won it 49-24. to uh, Some MAC finals from earlier in the day as well. You're welcome to look those up on your own if you want to see them. <laughs> Sorry. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, let Mississippi Land Bank help you if you're in North Mississippi. Whether it's buying property, building a dream home in the country, Mississippi Land Bank knows the game. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Check them out online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. You can still text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, so, hey, Dad, yesterday, throughout the course of the day, there was a growing whisper that turned into a murmur that kind of turned into people just talking very openly about it. And, and I think you and I heard the same thing from different places and that was that regardless of the outcome last night, Joe Moorhead was coaching his final game at Mississippi State. And the rumor actually became more specific than that. It was not just that this was the end of the road for Joe Moorhead, but also that there was a deal that was very, very close to being fully in place for Billy Napier from Louisiana Lafayette to take over as head coach at Mississippi State. I don't know if that is completely dead, if it was ever actually a thing, or if it just kind of was a telephone game that got to people that kind of were in the know. But I do know that Joe Moorhead was adamant after the game with his post-game comments, not in re- reaction to questions, but in his opening post-game statement. To me, this put an exclamation point on the narrative that was floating around that I'm not the right man for this job, or I'm not the right man for this program, or I can't coach in this league. That's not the case. 
just make sure everyone understands, direct quote here, this is my school, this is my team, this is my program, and I'm not interested in anybody's validation except for the guys in that locker room. And every single one of them, you can ask who's the right man for the job. They're going to tell you it's me. I promise you that. They'll have to drag my Yankee ass out of here. Language. Direct quote. It still counts. That didn't work uh, for me. <laughs> um, I'll say this. And I, I spoke to a, a friend of ours, friend of the show, Ross Dellinger, who made a really good point. He said, you know, in 2015 at LSU, there was a lot of smoke, and it was real smoke. They were going to get rid of Les Miles. And his quote was to me, somebody opened a window. And I don't know if that's what's happened here or not, but it would be really, really odd if Mississippi State didn't get – if they're going to make a move and they let Joe Moorhead go up there and, and say all those things, that's a that's bad look for Mississippi State in my opinion. you got to give them the heads up like, oh, by the way, yeah, <laughs> this is it. Uh, that said, the way he talked, that didn't sound like a man who's leaving. That doesn't sound like a man who was interested in going to Rutgers. You know, you go back to, to Dan Mullen's final press conference at Mississippi State, and you, you can tell that's a guy whose mind is not uh, in Starkville. Joe Moorhead sounded fully engaged and fully committed to Mississippi State. And as it stands right now, I mean, it's 4 o'clock on Friday. There has been no statement from the university of any kind. And Joe Moorhead said he hasn't had any discussions about his future because there's nothing to discuss as far as he's concerned. So, obviously, you know, keep an eye on it throughout the weekend. But right now, all the signs point to Joe Moorhead being the head coach of, in Star Bowl in 2020. Hey, Dad, is there any element, if that ends up being the case, is there any element to the 2017-ish type thing we're all miss where Luke gets the permanent job to where this elongates the Moorhead thing? Because at the end of the day, like, doesn't State still have kind of the same problems? I mean, this was a four-win Ole Miss team. No, you're absolutely right. And and, and it, it, you, what you said about 2017 Ole Miss, you know, making a decision based off the results of one game can be dangerous. I think it's, I would it's say not, it is dangerous. Not, yeah, yeah. And uh, but that said, you know, by that same token, what we just talked about with with the suspensions, if Moore had had the full complement on defense this year, what would have happened? You know, probably worth another win or two to him at least. So I think, and that's something, and that's something that you know you can call an excuse if you want. But Joe Moorhead is not responsible for the uh, the academic portion of those players, right? For sure. He, the university is supposed to, ha- you know, ha- handle it, and the players are supposed to handle that. So, I mean, it's it's a legitimate. It's not it's not an excuse when it's it's legitimate. I, it would be, it's a reason. It's a reason that they struggled this year. So, for me, I mean, like I said, I just I don't I don't I don't like the idea of basing it all off of one game. And my guess is we'll be told, and and they could very very well mean it that it wasn't based off of one game. That they feel confident about the direction the program is going in. From a recruiting standpoint, he's doing okay. You know, he, he like you said, he doesn't seem to have lost the locker room. Doesn't seem to have lost his team. You're not seeing a lot of of, of recruit decommitment like you were seeing in the weeks before Chad Morris left at Arkansas. So and there's a lot of positive signs there. I get I get why MSU fans are frustrated, and I you know I'm seeing the same things that you are. But right now, I mean, if he got up there and talked like that, and then he still leaves, or if he's fired. If he leaves, he leaves, and that would just be you know another example of coaches sort of pulling wool over our eyes. If over our eyes, if uh, if he's let go, that's a bad look for MSU to, to to let him go up there and talk like that, and then you know two days later say hit the bricks. 
More quotes from Joe Moorhead Postgame. This narrative gets created by people who aren't in the decision-making process. I understand certainly at times this year that we didn't play like we needed to play, but this mythology that the team I inherited is the 85 Bears, three years ago we got into a bowl game at 5-7 and seven because we had APR. Is that going to bother people? Yes. Based on my mentions, yes. It bothered people quite a bit, you know. And... Because Mullen goes ten and two with that team last year. At I worst, any, I don't think there's any any question about that. But at the same time, I get what he was saying in that offensively, there's not a whole ton of talent. And he had a couple of good offensive linemen. They're starting in the NFL, but at wide receiver, it's the same guys you had this year. You had you had good running backs, and and, he, and Fitzgerald's a great running quarterback and a great leader and a tough guy. But he he didn't give you the passing element that Joe Moorhead wants. So I Did get why there was going to be some passes trend. last night. Do what now? Did they drop any passes last night? Not that I remember. Gidry had uh, he had a catch, and then he had another catch called back on a, uh, a penalty. So look at him go. There uh, was a finally, miss. Finally deep started ball. to put it together. Wasn't there a miss deep ball that wasn't a drop? Like I remember at one point, Ole Miss caught a break with a receiver wide open. Maybe not. It wasn't a drop, but it was. He, he overthrew him. Or no, no, no. He didn't overthrow him. He uh, he he just he missed him. Oh, we'll put it that way. He, he just, missed the, by ten yards in he every by direction. A lot. Yeah, yeah, he 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 looked like he was throwing to somebody who wasn't there, but it wasn't a drop. So that's that's what I was asked. It was not a drop. The receiver did not put hands on it. That we'll put that on Schrader. Um, I get the frustration of last year, really, I do. You know, and I I thought they underachieved, but if you feel like you know you had to take a small step back to take a big step forward at some point, you know, this all goes back to Moorhead getting off the plane, getting off the plane, and talking about ring sizes and championships. Is killing him today. If he could go back in time, he would. He would just happy to be here. But do you believe Joe Moorhead saved his job last night? I don't know that it needed to be saved, Richard. A hundred percent. I was not a hundred percent sold at any point that this was going to be the end for him. But if it was, it it sure sounds like it. I mean, it's he he does not sound like a coach who's, who's fixing to head out. Tune in on Monday when we talk about the coaching search for MSU. Careful. Yeah. You better put some sarcastics on that. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. What do you say we open up the phone lines? We have not done that in a long time. Ole Miss fan, Mississippi State fan, want to jump in and talk about the Egg Bowl from last night? Good, bad, ugly? 888 808 8637. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. At 1.15 this morning, I tweeted this. I tweeted a picture of a paper plate with some leftover, half-eaten Thanksgiving food on it and said, when I left the house today at 12.30, that was lunchtime, my sweet wife handed me a plate of leftovers and said, you'll want this tonight when you get back to Oxford. I've never loved my wife more than right now. I left the plate in my, you know, it was cold enough outside. Just left the plate in my truck, and I ate cold leftovers driving home last night after I got back to Oxford. Hey, Dad, when I tell you it was good, oh, oh my, it was good. That's good stuff. It was great. Had uh, turkey and dressing and mac and cheese and sweet potato casserole and a couple of rolls. Oh, just what the doctor ordered. 
All right, I mentioned to you we were going to open up the phone lines. You want to jump in and join the conversation, you can do so. 888-808-8637. Roddy in Oxford, you are up first. You want to talk about Matt Luke. What's up, Roddy? Talk to me on the phone, Roddy, not on the uh, speak. There we go. What's up, man? Oh, how's it going, guys? Good. What's on your mind, Roddy? Oh, man, I just want everybody to know Matt Luke needs a few more years, all these freshmen he's got. Okay. You're willing to be patient for another couple of years? You're off to a flying start with this one. All right. Uh, I mean, isn't it less about the freshmen and more about, like, I don't know, punting at midfield with the four and seven football team down fourth and five? Well, that and. And, you know, I mean, to, to, on the podcast, I came up with, like, a list of nicknames. It's like Matt puts his cruise control two miles under the speed limit, Luke. Like, <laughs> Well, it, and it's. Yes, they have young players at very important skill positions on this team. I mean, that's valid. And everybody pointed to 2019 being the year where the NCAA was really going to be felt. But, I mean, in the last two years, and it's worth noting that even though their defense was abysmal, Ole Miss had elite-level NFL talent all over the field last year and had the worst red zone offense in college football. They had games where... They had chances to win and failed to do so with a team that was filled with NFL players on offense. Same problem exists this year. In the last two seasons, after... and I'm not advocating for anything. It's not my position to do. But it's worth noting that in the last two seasons, they have nine wins. They came against Texas Tech, who fired their coach at the end of the season, who went 5-7. and seven. Southern Illinois, who was an FCS team and a bad one. Kent State, who went 2-10. and 10. Louisiana Monroe is the team in the last two years with the best record, and they were 6-6. Six and six. And Arkansas, who went 2-10. and ten. Arkansas, again, who was about to go 2-10 and ten and fired their coach. Southeastern Louisiana, an FCS team. Vanderbilt, who is currently 3-8. and eight. And New Mexico State is one of the worst teams in Division I football. That is their only wins in the last two seasons. So I completely understand why people are mad clamoring for change today because they, in two years, do not have a single win of consequence. Yeah, see, to me, no one was winning this year, like, no matter who was the coach, but it's more about the management. Like, the, 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 the he said last night they were going to play for overtime because they felt like they were in a good spot. It's like, you had a backup quarterback, all three ba- running backs banged up, and your defense had given up 200 yards on the ground. What about that defines a good spot? Why not even, why, why not go for two? What do you have to lose? You're four, you have four wins. Could someone make that make make that make sense to me? Mm, I'll have to get back to you on that. I mean, last year they 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 kicked a field field goal to go to overtime at Vanderbilt in a year they couldn't go to a bowl game on fourth instead on a fourth and what fourth and one fourth and two. Yeah, like that that to me is more what it's about than the the personnel and the talent, because I think he deserves credit for replenishing the roster and having the talent level where it is this quickly. But, man, the, the in-game management at times is, is very, very head-scratching. Let's see if this goes any better. We'll try one more. At least one more. If it goes well, maybe we'll keep going. Bo in Hattiesburg. You're up. Oh, that was actually Bill in Hattiesburg. How are you doing? Oh, Rick? I'm sorry, Bill. 
Hey, Bill. Okay. What's up, man? I just wanted to, first of all, uh, uh, wish you guys a post-happy Thanksgiving and say that uh, uh, I want to be decent and, again, congratulate the Bulldogs on the victory last night. They did play a good game, and they deserve to win. Secondly, I'd like to comment on the Ole Miss coaching position and uh, and the situation up there. And I agree with your comments here. There hasn't been a quality win yet, and that does concern me. I think Matt Luke is a wonderful guy. I wouldn't mind being his next-door neighbor. But uh, I think the problem you've got is you've got a lot of good talent, but at the same time, I still cannot understand why when you've got a John Rice Plumley who cannot throw the ball but runs like something crazy, and then you've got uh, the quarterback you have to put in to salvage a win or try to get a win, you have to bring him into the game. Why on earth do you not implement something similar to what the Saints are doing uh, with Taysom Hill in New Orleans and put them both on the field at the same time. I can't think of a better opportunity to do that when you're down on the on the, the state's uh, inside the state's ten yard line trying to score, and you got two quarterbacks, both that can run and both that can pass. One a lot better than the other, but that provides an option that we've never put on the field, and I don't understand why. I'd like your comments on that. That's well said, Bill. Uh, and I think it's an altogether reasonable observation. I only remember what game was it, Borky? It wasn't against LSU. It was the home game prior to that, where you had both Corral and Plumley on the field. It was A and M. Okay, it was Texas A and M. But and there was no real creativity in what they did. And they didn't, with those two guys on the field. They didn't rotate it like he's talking about. The only time you saw them both kind of actually rotated was that fourth quarter at Missouri, if you'll recall, and it actually kind of worked. Because you remember the A&M thing was really just my majority Plumley asked Corral to throw a couple passes and then stuck him in at the very end. And I think it's indicative of a larger trend. I think they thought Plumley was their best shot, and then they've just continued to waffle on it ever since instead of making a firm decision. Because if you want to do a two quarterback system, you'd rotate it like Bill or Bo. <laughs> Bill, it was Bill. I screwed me. it up. It's Bill. Bill said and implement something like that. So they, I don't think it's ever actually a two quarterback rotation. They just could make a decision. Greg in Columbus. Greg, Joe Moorhead on your mind? Yeah, good evening. And uh, I, you could tell that first caller was an old Miss fan, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, and we appreciate the leg up last night. Uh, <laughs> I'm here all week. Thank you, Tippy Waitresses. Um, okay, Morehead uh, at Mississippi State. Uh, he's, if he can win the uh, bowl game, he'll be 15 and 11. Which, if you extrapolate that out over 10 seasons, that's an average of winning eight games a season. So, what what do we want at Mississippi State? I mean, if you said 10 years ago we'll have a coach and get us eight to nine wins, you know average out, I mean, who are you going to get that's going to do any better than that? Well, you're not wrong in, in, in saying that. And what, what you're saying when that happens is we expect to be better than we've been. We, going to bowls is simply is not going to be good enough. We expect to be a consistent top 25. kind of. I don't think you're saying – I don't think you have to extrapolate it to we expect to win the SEC, but you can say we expect to be a year-in, year-out top 25 team. And that's something that's going to be tough for Mississippi State. They don't recruit at that level. You know, I've always said a good five-year cycle for State is to have three, seven, eight-win seasons. You have one year where you jump up to nine or ten, and then one 
with with your non-conference games, you should always be close to six. You know, you might have a year where you drop down to five, but six is is usually going to be doable. Um, and you better have that next guy lined up. You know, otherwise you end up with a sort of a Rick Stansberry situation where you said, well, okay, this isn't good enough for us. We we need to move forward. And then you put your program in a five-year black hole that they are just now digging out of. Well, I mean, and you got to remember, above all else, you're trying to recruit players to come to Starkville, Mississippi. Yeah. There's I mean, not a whole lot yeah. going on in Starkville, Mississippi. It, 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 it is a, a little tougher recruiting job. The only thing I would say to that is, it hasn't seemed to be a problem to get elite recruits for Ben Hallen, Vic Schaefer, and Chris Lamonis. So I don't know. I, the problem, the difference there is obviously some of the bells and whistles that you have at uh, Alabama you know, and LSU. Elite so on baseball and so players will come here because they got their deal. Yeah, because you have elite facilities for football yeah. in Mississippi State. Right now, you're not wrong, but I think you can recruit well enough to. I think you can recruit well enough to be a consistent seven eight win team with a. a See a year where you can jump up to nine or ten if you if you have the right guys. And one thing State has going for it in the next few years is Garrett Schrader. I think he is a good young quarterback who's going to attract some talent to play with him and can be good enough to maybe win you a game by himself here and there. That was Greg in Columbus. Greg, thanks for the call. See, we improved. Bill and Greg got uh, moving in the right direction. How about this thread on Twitter from Jason Kirk at the Banner Society? He started out by tweeting a gif of the raised leg celebration. He followed it up with, Ole Miss lost because of this. The Egg Bowl is football's greatest rivalry. Uh, he says, a guy fake peed, turning Bama's win over Mississippi State into a quality win. Bama will now make the playoff thanks to a guy fake peeing. Joe Moorhead will get a $75,000 bowl appearance bonus because a guy fake peed. An Ole Miss guy pretending to pee on Mississippi State's field made Ole Miss six figures in SEC bowl payout money. Obviously all tongue-in-cheek, but a slightly different way to look at the air quotes celebration. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. I had a caller that asked about Billy Napier and just kind of curious, maybe a little more information about him. He is a 40-year-old, or is the 40-year-old head coach at Louisiana Lafayette. He is in his second season there and has an overall record of 16-9. and His background, played quarterback at Furman, was a GA for a couple of years at Clemson, worked uh, as a quarterback's coach at South Carolina State for a year. Tommy Bowden's staff for a couple of season at, seasons at Clemson, then a couple of years with uh, Dabo before going to Atlanta uh, to Alabama. First as an offensive analyst, and then following Jim McElwain to Colorado State, where he was assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach, back to Alabama on Nick Saban's staff from 2013 through 2016, where he coached wide receivers, replaced Mike Norvell as the offensive coordinator at Arizona State for a year, and has spent the last two years as the uh, the head coach at um, Louisiana Lafayette. He's done a good job. They went seven and seven and won or uh, lost the Cure Bowl last year, and this year sitting on nine and two, six and one in uh, the Western Division of the Sun Belt Conference. So when that was all circulating yesterday and people were talking about Billy Napier, I knew I recognized that name beyond the fact that he was the coach at Louisiana, and it hit me after I googled him that I actually I watched him play in college a lot. 
And in my office right now, I have, I have two Furman things. One of them is a game program when he was a starting quarterback when they beat Western Kentucky in the FCS playoffs in 2001. And the other I have from that season, the uh, almost a full team autographed Furman football 2001 with his autograph on it. I mean, they went to the national championship that year and lost, but it it hit me that when I was a kid, I got Billy Napier's autograph somewhere along the way, and it's on this football I have in my office. I just... There there was one part of Joe Moorhead's... Well, there were a couple of parts. I mean, I, I think people appreciated his fire after the game and some of the stuff that went along with that. But there are a couple of things he said that may have kind of caught people the wrong way, one of which was talking about the people who were dissenting with regard to his coaching ability. They can go pound sand. The only people I care about are the kids in the locker room. Everyone else can go kick rocks. How was that received? Uh, again, judged off my my mentions alone, not well. And there's another statement that seems to have sort of flown under the water when he or under the radar, I should say. Uh, under the water, saying, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, it could have flown under there. It'd be like a Batman plane. Uh, he said, you know, he was like, I'm I'm very happy for our our, our team, our coaching staff, our administration, blah, blah blah. And he said, and a majority of our fans. Ooh. So he made it. And it's sort of clear that not all the fans, there were some that were that he was not happy for. Isn't that rather thin-skinned? I'll say what I said on the podcast, and that's that guy has taken a beating for like the last three months, day in and day out. And if he needed to, to let it all let it all out, I, I'm not going to begrudge him too much for it. You know, if it's an everyday thing, if it becomes something, you know, him against the world, then yeah. But if it, this is a one-off deal where he had a big win and he, you know, he felt like he needed to get some things off his chest. I'll, I'll let it. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kill the guy for that. Borky, uh, Egg Bowl Bingo turned out to be a success. Oh yeah! I just hope nobody was taking shots per per uh, every square because Adam Amin was like very well aware that it existed. I mean, he was tweeting at us during the game, like letting us know that hey, this was kind of on purpose. They didn't cover the entire board. Like we didn't get. Um, Kermit Davis, we didn't get uh, Mississippi State women's hoops. We didn't get Ed Orgeron or Sneaky Fast, believe it or not. But most of the other boards, save from Rutgers and Saquon Barkley, I think we got. the um, No Angry Rich Rod either. They mentioned Angry Rich Rodriguez, but they didn't show him. I'd like to the, think someone out there... Uh, Turned it into a drinking game and is still asleep on a couch somewhere. I also want to talk about the game within the game. I, I tweeted about it last night, and that is Brian Scott Rippey watching Rich Rod every play. I, it got to the point where I was watching Rippey watching Rich Rod more than I was watching the game. Did you guys sit next to each other? So He, he sat directly in front of me. Yeah. So I, I would see something happen on the field, and then out of the corner of my eye, I'd see him turn, and I would look at him, and then I would look at the press box. And, and they didn't have... Normally, the opposing coaches will have the blinds all the way down. You can't see anything. For whatever reason, Ole Miss left enough that you could see movement, and man, Rich Rod was moving in there. It, uh, and like for full disclosure, I was right in front of him, and there was no one seated around me when I got there. And then media relations actually put two fans to my left and two fans to my right. 
And I was originally like Wait, fans? Yes, correct. Like what kind of fan? Like like a human Mississippi not, State not, not fan, the kind or of like a, a air oh, oh, no, 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 human, human <laughs> beings, human beings. Sorry, I, 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 I like fans to watch the game. And so I'm sitting there. They put two cool zones up there, Borky. It, it was only 50 degrees. Yeah. It may have gotten hot in there. I don't know. And so originally, I was like, "Well, this is less than ideal," but it turned out to be the perfect seat, and the people sitting next to me were perfectly fine. They were perfectly lovely to talk to. But man, I think I had the best seat in the house. I had a. Really nice view, maybe partially because I'm short too. Just right through the blinds, and it was it was fantastic. <laughs> Were you on the front row? No, second row. But like I I could not have been more paralleled. Like I'm staring at Borky right now, and it was could not have been a clearer shot into the coordinator booth. <clears throat> Did you take any videos? Uh, no, I didn't take any videos. I was uh, I was not trying to make my own Rich Rod cam and make people upset. It was kind of funny before the game, though. I kind of made awkward eye contact with both of them, like both Rich Rod and Matt, because I was waiting on someone to come down the stairs. And I kind of just gave him like the nod and salute, like "Sup, man." <laughs> By the way, bingo card number two had a diagonal winner. B five distance between two schools mentioned. I four the junction. N three. Shot of Duty Noble Field. G2. DK Metcalf celebration mention. That happened late. Could and then not 0-1, happen. Matt Luke looking at the scoreboard. Yeah, we had a, a listener send me their completed board, and they missed a lot. I mean, I'm telling you, Adam Amin was doing some of these things on purpose. That's why you're a fan of his. So the bingo, yeah, was I mean, it was hilarious. I, I was expecting him to say something about it. They never actually mentioned it, but like they brought up out of nowhere the Saints Falcons game. Just like you knew that he was doing that on purpose because it didn't That's fit into the broadcast at all, and he just brought it up. You know, Richard mentioned into the break how many different people benefited from the uh, the dog pee. Hey, Dad and I stood on top of it afterward and did not get any richer, as far as I'm aware. My Venmo has remained inactive. It's tough. <laughs> Periscope live from the scene of the crime. The grass dried quick. <laughs> College football games that are happening right now. Uh. Looks like they are headed for overtime in Lincoln, Nebraska. Some of the greatest college football fans ever. Big Ten Network, snug late if you want to watch it. 24 piece in a tie football game with four minutes left. I think it's four minutes, but in a tie football game late in the fourth quarter, Iowa punted from Nebraska's 34 yard line. <laughs> That's Big Ten on brand. That's Kirk Ferentz's brand. All right, <laughs> that is on this Black Friday, buy one Kirk Ferentz, get one free. <laughs> Missouri leading Arkansas 24 14, six and a half minutes to play fourth quarter. Arkansas had a second-half lead, though, so that's, that counts as a win. Minnesota, uh, I'm sorry, I can't read. Memphis leading 20-17 to over Cincinnati, 8-28 third quarter. Boise State up 10, 24-14 on Colorado State. Washington up 21-10 on Washington State at halftime of the Apple Cup. West Virginia, TCU tied at 10. TCU's bowl eligibility hanging in the balance. South Alabama leading Arkansas State 14-7. Finals from earlier today, Virginia 39-30. Great scene at Scott Field, or Scott Stadium, I think it is, in uh, Charlottesville today. 
as uh, Virginia snapped a 15-game losing streak. Texas 49-24, 15-game losing streak to Virginia Tech, I should say. Texas 49-24 over Texas Tech. Buffalo smoked Bowling Green, Kent State 34-26 over Eastern Michigan. Ball State beat uh, Miami of Ohio. And Jim McElwain, Central Michigan, the Chippewas, winning 49-7 over Toledo to get to 8-4 and and win their division. Jim McElwain and the Chippewas are headed to the MAC championship game. Speaking of Texas, did you see what Sam Ellinger said after the game? I did. So this time last year, he did the whole we're back thing. And today he said Rome wasn't built in a day. If you had told Texas fans three years ago that we would have seen seven wins and headed to a bowl game and had a chance to win eight, I think people would be pretty happy. Overall, we did a great job. Not at Texas, my friend. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. We will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. So, as Wednesday's show was ending, we were watching, following along, the Ole Miss basketball game against Penn State. The game that you may remember Ole Miss trailed by 21 in the first half and trailed by 19 with 12 minutes to go. But Ole Miss came all the way back and won that game 74-72. to Rippy, that was that was a good win, and maybe a win that will play with the selection committee in March if Ole Miss is in that bubble conversation. Yeah, I think Penn State, they were getting top 25 votes for the AP, and I think they'll have a chance to be a top, I mean, probably more than this, but a top half team in the Big Ten. So I agree. Ugly game for, I thought the end of the last seven minutes of the first half against Memphis into the first six minutes of the second half was the worst Ole Miss has played this season, and they quickly topped that with the first half against Penn State. But, you know, I mean, to be down 21 in a holiday game in a half-empty gym and not fold is, uh, I guess, a sign of pretty good mental fortitude. Brian Tyree was not good in the first half of that game, but really good in the second half of the game. K.J. Buffin made an unbelievably athletic play late at the end. Bryce Williams scored 13 points. Uh, Antavian Collum played some big minutes down the stretch for Ole Miss. They got a lot of contributions from a lot of different places and some different faces. The uh, Williams thing is big because the backup point guard thing really isn't settled. And if he can be a pretty good ball handler and scorer off the bench, that'll uh, bode pretty well for them because I think they're better equipped to play Breen at the one if they have to at times than they were last year. But definitely probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't prefer to. And then the Buffett thing is good for Ole Miss because he played 39 minutes and impacted the game. And he has the ability to impact the game in more ways than anyone, I think, on the roster. I mean, what, I think he had 16 nine six assists and four steals in 39 minutes and you know with foul trouble being a problem with him through the early going him being able to stay on the floor for 39 minutes is a good sign so Ole Miss got the off day yesterday on Thanksgiving and they will play tonight at uh, roughly 8 30 central time uh, Penn State will play Syracuse who lost to Oklahoma State and I know traditionally you know kind of based on name and brand you'd rather play Syracuse but I think from a quality win standpoint, this Oklahoma State team had a bunch of guys coming back from a season ago. They're a pretty experienced team. Mike Boynton appears to be a pretty good coach. And this is likely a game that gives you a chance to have another resume-building win in the month of November that could matter in March 
and Ole Miss is a one-point favorite in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, name and brand isn't helping your net. They uh, definitely would probably rather play uh, Oklahoma State, and they got their wish. So don't need to play better. Though. They can't continue to have the backcourt play. Uh, you know, For a team that you thought was still going to be fueled by its guards, they've had back-to-back games where they played really poorly for long stretches. <laughs> They'll be in a world of trouble if that uh, continues. But uh, interesting to see how they bounce back tonight. Hey, Dad, what's next for Mississippi State basketball? Uh, they got a few days off. Next game is December 5th at the Hump against Louisiana Tech. So uh, off, um, you know, what, five, six days here. I, got, I think finals are about to start up here in Starkville. Yeah. Uh, so they they will be uh, – they, they, they have some time off. Um, December 5th is the first 500 fans get the uh, Cousin Eddie flap, ear flap cap game, right? Yes. It's going to be that promotion be, uh, on the uh, video board. It's Christmas night. vacation theme night, so they'll be they'll do a bunch of stuff. State's done a good job with those. They, they for baseball last year they did an office night and a Game of Thrones night, and they were really fun. Uh, we'll see what this one brings. Christmas vacation, obviously, one of the top Christmas movies up there with a Christmas story and of course Die Hard. Yep. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Rippy? Did they, did that Hey Dad's reference to the hot topic debate go over your head there? Uh, no, Richard and no. I are on the same side of that debate. No, no, I was wondering we were why the you were laughing. Oh, so y'all are trying to stoke me into it. I, I've actually never seen Die Hard, so I don't know or care. It's kind of like the hot dog is a sandwich debate. doesn't bother me either way. Uh, I just Very didn't good. know if that had flown over your head because you're not cinema guy. Richard is not cinema guy, but he is a champion of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. I'll take your word for it. Ho, ho, ho. I thought that was a caller. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay. I know because I'm not cinema guy, as uh, was just so eloquently stated a moment ago by uh, Rippy. Not on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I, I don't get to do like the whole, we got to watch movies. But Rippy, you got to watch Die Hard, and Borky, you got to watch Karate Kid. Those are two things that just have to happen. I'll watch Die Hard. I'll watch it this week. Okay. There you go. It's good. Hans Gruber. What's the um? What what's the T-shirt? Hey, Dad. It's, you it's, know it's, it's not you. It, you know it's, it's not Christmas you know, it's, until it's not Christmas until I see Hans Gruber fall off of Nakatomi Plaza. That's the one. That's the one. Two hours in the books. Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Day after the Egg Bowl. Day after Thanksgiving. We'll go back and see if we can find some areas that we've not yet dissected and uh, maybe rehash some of the things that we talked about in the first hour of the show with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. we got the college football fix coming up. We will make our Pearl River resorts for the games involving SEC teams. All of that in the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Clock hour Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, the day after the 2019 Egg Bowl, a game which will live in infamy <laughs> forever. Uh, that's pretty good. Y'all have been around a bunch of egg bowls. Hate added Richard particularly. That's a uh, backhanded jab calling y'all old there because she didn't pick up on it. But I do have a serious question. 
in most of these games, there's usually some kind of lingering trend into the future, right? Like 17 Mullins last game, Luke getting the job, you know, 18 was just bad in a lot of ways for Ole Miss. This one doesn't, if it hadn't ended in such an embarrassing fashion, like both schools seem to be in kind of the same holding pattern, don't they? Unless State makes a change. Like, like to me, this one will have a, like, if it hadn't ended the way it had ended in a string of egg bowls, would this have been remembered very, like, at all, I guess? Would this one have stuck out? No. It would have been sort of like, like 2005, 2006 were. Yeah. Both teams weren't any good. You know, State won in 05, almost won in 06, but they're, they're, they're only remembered because you won the game. There's nothing memorable about the game itself for the most part. Yeah, very, very much footnote games. Um, Which is kind of fascinating because, like, the last few have been consequential long term, one way or another, wouldn't you think? Most of them, at least. Y- you know what's. This is kind of changing the topic, but. With all of the stuff surrounding the game in the last handful of years, right? The unsportsmanlikes and the fights or the almost fights and the pushing and the shoving and the jawing. It wasn't until last night where extracurricular directly affected the outcome of the game. Right, so, so so two years ago in Starkville, the, the DK Metcalf, a lot of pushing and shoving, a lot of jawing. Ole Miss held on for the win. Last year, never a doubt, despite the fight late in the ball game, etc. Mississippi State hangs on for the win at the end. As a result, ultimately, of the crazy play in the end zone. That's exactly what I wrote last night, though. I think it was something to the effect of, like, the the act underscored the pettiness and vitriol and a rivalry that, like, now is, like, it's now directly affected the outcome of one of its games. That's the wildest part to me. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do. It's what they've been doing for over 100 years. Check them out online. If you're in North Mississippi looking to buy land or maybe build a dream house in the country, visit Mississippi Land Bank, one of their branch locations, or give them a call at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Um. Orky, let's hold on for a second. We'll we'll do our picks in the uh, the next segment. Hey, Dad, we talked a lot in the first hour, uh, really the entire first hour and most of the second hour about last night's ball game. But as we get to five o'clock, a lot of new people maybe jumping in for the first time. So let's kind of talk some high level observations, so, some things outside of the way the game ended that stood out for you last night. <laughs> Well, I think we, like we said in the first hour, the thing that, that really stands out the most to me is how different Mississippi State looks defensively when they had the full complement of players. Um, you know, defensively, they struggled a lot this year, but when they have had Lee Autry, Willie Gay, and Marcus Murphy available to them, they have looked like a very competent and quality SEC uh, defense. It was no different last night. They did a fantastic, I mean, masterful might be the right word, 
for the scheme that Bob Shute put together to to limit John Rice Plumley, who I think we all thought was going to have a big day running the ball. Instead, he gets 34 yards on 18 carries. Um, defensively, that was very good. But and then of course, you know, with Joe Moorhead, talked like a man, acted like a man, like who who expects to be at Mississippi State for the for the very uh, for a very long time. And uh, we'll you know we'll have to wait and see on all that. Obviously, you know something could change, but. Right now, you would I would put myself in the camp that he will be back in Starkville for 2020. What about you, Rippy? What do you mean? Just kind of overall takeaways from last night. I thought it was a... I don't know. It's weird to say this. I thought some of the decision-making in the second half kind of underscored Ole Miss's worst problems. The conservative nature when there's no real need to be conservative the waffling on quarterbacks to whereas I understand that they're trying to do anything they can to win the game and it's hard to criticize the move to Corral because it was a success he scored a t- I mean I know he threw a bad pick but he scored a touchdown he looked okay doing it but just what kind of message does that send about your quarterback picture long term because the irony in it all is Plumley had one of his better games throwing and so I just don't understand the waffling back and forth. I just figured at some point they'd make a decision and go with it, and it seemed like it had. I mean, Pomey scored four touchdowns on LSU in what kind of seemed to be his coming out party. And then you go back to the guy that you pulled the plug on and after four games, after you spent the whole offseason anointing him as the future in the season's final quarter. It just it doesn't make a ton of sense, I don't guess. But again, at the same time, it, it, it did work in the short term. But to me... I guess you know they're trying to sell the long term here, but making decisions that contradict that. And then, you know, I, if if this hadn't ended for Ole Miss in such an embarrassing way, I'm not sure this loss would have been that consequential because you were kind of in a holding pattern for 2020 next year, right? Like the season, the 2020 season should be dubbed the year of results because whether they won that game last night or not, the results in 2020 are ultimately what's kind of going to decide the future of this thing, right? Completely agree. So it's unfortunate for Luke and the program that they now have to deal with this kind of – I mean, I don't think it's too strong to call it a national embarrassment. It was everywhere today. And if it had just ended in a somewhat normal way, which I know that's asking a lot of the Egg Bowl of late, I don't think this would have ended up being that consequential either way because 2019 was always going to be a struggle. There would have been some frustrated fans, but that wasn't – I'm not sure how much that was changing if they had won. Yeah. Hey, Ned, your point a second ago about Mississippi State next year, Joe Moorhead, when I look at the two deep, Mississippi State loses a lot this offseason. Basically, you know, the receiving core, you lose a bunch of guys, but they're not terribly productive anyway, so we'll see. Yeah. On the offensive line, Tyree Phillips, a senior. Michael Story, who's a backup on the offensive line, is a senior. Both centers are gone, Daryl Williams and Evans Wilkerson. Uh, Tommy Champion, who's a backup tackle, you know, played some, also gone. A few guys back, but some pretty significant snaps gone. Mm-hmm. Farad Green's gone. Mm-hmm. Nick Gibson's gone. Mm-hmm. We'll wait and see on Kylan Hill. Right. Tommy Stevens is gone. And by the way, did anybody know that Tommy Stevens wasn't playing yesterday? Found out uh, mid-afternoon that that was that was going around, and uh, it was confirmed pretty 
early in warm-ups when you saw him down there not dressed out. Yeah. Um, and to, I would say about, you know, offensively, and that's obviously the, the area of concern with Joe Moorhead. Yeah, the receivers, that you know, you got to find some new guys there, but it's not like you're making up huge production with whoever leaves. And you do I agree on that Cyrus front. Mitchell. Uh, Kylan Hill, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. But on the offensive line, you've got – You've recruited really well there. Now, those guys don't have the experience, but the talent level is going to be there, I think, with guys like Quatravius Johnson, Dollar Bill, and Charles Cross, who is the five-star kid who from Laurel who, who who redshirted this year. You also have Cole Smith on the roster, who transferred in from LSU, was a four-star kid out of Pontotoc, I believe. I uh, went to LSU, left, and, and you know, did, was not a, not a grad transfer, so was not eligible to play this year, but you bring him back in. You recruited, you've recruited offensive linemen pretty well the past couple of seasons. So you've got some good young talent there. Experience is going to be a, an issue, obviously, but I think you feel like you, you might be upgrading the talent level. And and you'll, you'll have to figure it out. Malik Heath is probably going to have to come in, and he's going to have to be what State fans wanted Stephen Gidry to be, an immediate day-one impact guy as a JUCO uh, transfer. Defensive side, and this is seniors only. This is not any juniors that choose to go to the draft. Chauncey Rivers, Lee Autry, Leo Lewis, Tim Washington, and another backup linebacker, Schmar Kirby Lane. Um, let's see, who else am I looking at? Brian Cole. Cole and Landrews. Landrews. Yeah. That's a bunch of guys that have, are contributors on that side. And It is. You know, does Willie Gay, had, you know, test draft played a lot of young- yeah, Dancer Thompson? and Thompson might. I, I, th- I don't think Thompson will. I think Dancer might. But you again, you played a lot of young guys there. Injuries uh, forced you into some of that. I, I think they'll be. I think they'll be okay. And they bring back Willie Gay. They bring. I think Dancer will come back. They bring back Marcus Murphy. So they've got some some, some star power coming back as well. So you don't think w- Willie Gay leaves early? I don't think so. But I mean, strange things have happened. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Get Black Friday savings as well on 2019 year-end models. But you better hurry because the savings won't last long. You can start your search for a Ford online at buyfordnow.com. Time to make our picks for the weekend. Pearl River Resort Picks of the day are brought to you by the sports book at timeout lounge at the golden moon in philadelphia we were there on monday had a great time and uh, what a great spot to watch games to bet on games and um whatever it else good when you're there too say what you eat good when you're there too boy i'm hungry again all of a sudden (laughs) and not not because you mentioned that I, i was thinking that about 20 or 30 minutes ago. I'm hungry. Is it time and for a leftover sandwich when you get home? I've done leftovers twice already, which I'm fine with doing that again. I just I think we've just about extinguished the leftovers. And I'm not a leftovers guy, but I am a big-time leftovers guy when it comes to Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we actually had the conversation yesterday about um, maybe doing the Thanksgiving meal again at Christmas this year. I know we talked about that earlier in the week. Um, It's just... It's a really good meal. Oh, you're not wrong. So, yeah, I uh, I'm, I might be very much on board with doing that. All right, Borky, time for us to make some picks. What do you say? 
That sounds good to me. All righty, let's do it. Looking at the games that we are picking this weekend, Ohio State at Michigan. Buckeyes are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in Ann Arbor. Borky, I'll give you the honors. Is this Ryan Day's first real test as a head coach? I mean, they've been able to cruise for his entire first year, but I don't think Michigan's explosive enough to keep up with Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins. It's just... One team has an explosive offense, the other one does not. I don't care that it's uh, in the big house. I mean, Ohio State will bring 45, 50,000 people to that game anyway, like they do every no, year. No, they Dude, won't. I will show you crowd shots of the game there two years ago. It'll blow your mind. Okay. It's it's wild what they do. Anyway, um, I'll take the explosive offense. Ohio State will cover even. All right, so you got Ohio State laying the nine and a half and covering. Hey, Dad, Ohio State or Michigan? Oh, give me the Buckeyes, man. They have just dominated this series. They're much more talented. Justin Fields versus Shea Patterson is a, is just a huge mismatch for me towards Ohio State. I'll, I'll take the Buckeyes, and I'll give the points. Rippy? Yeah, I don't trust this Ohio State easily. Look out for a confused shot of a man wearing pleated khakis on the sideline about the third quarter. It's always a classic in this game. So you're Buckeyes as well? Yes. I'm just going to fade you guys. That's a lot of points. Michigan's at home. Going to be a great environment. Early kickoff. I'll take Michigan. I probably will live to regret it. I got Ohio State. Excuse me. I have Ohio State winning the game. I think Michigan's defense gives uh, maybe Ohio State some trouble in the game. I'll take the nine and a half points and take Michigan. There we go. Clemson, 27 and a half point favorite at South Carolina. Uh, I know it's a bunch of points, but I am. Now I'm waffling. Hey, Dad, who you got here? I'll be deep in the cold, cold ground before I'll take Will Muschamp again. Give me Clemson. <laughs> Rippy? South Carolina. Well, Just too, too many points? I think so. Borky? Clemson's sneakily played really, really, really good football lately. I know the schedule's bad, uh, but I think a statement will be made. And uh, Clemson will cover. I saw a guy that was doing future projected lines, and it was Clemson against the playoff teams. They were favored against every single team and a double-digit favorite over LSU. Really? Yeah. I found that to be shocking. Uh, I, think I that, thought I saw a note a couple of days ago that said LSU would be favored against everybody in the playoff. I don't think so. I'll double-check and see if I can find that again, but uh, not according to this guy. And I'm Admittedly, I did not do any research. I saw it. He looked somewhat legit, uh, and I just kind of went with it. But I'll look that up again. I'm going to say this one's got 42 to 10, 45 17, something like that written all over it, which uh, I guess 45 17 would be a 28 point win, and that is a cover. So I will take Clemson in the uh, in the matchup. Georgia laying 28 at Georgia Tech. Give me Tech. Plus the 28. Georgia wins, and they win comfortably. I think Tech will score a little bit, and I just really haven't seen this Georgia offense um, go out and score 38-42. to 42. Qu- Quick note, I just found it. So it's uh, a guy that works for the Action Network. Clemson minus 1.5 against Ohio State, minus 6 against LSU. The double-digit one was Georgia. It was Clemson minus 10 versus Georgia. Okay. Uh, Rippy, who you got here, Tech or Georgia? Uh, oh, Georgia. Hey, Dad. Not going to drink from the swag chalice on this one. I'll take the Bulldogs. Borky? 
Yeah, I'll go with Georgia, even though that's a big line for an offense that hasn't really put up much of anything lately. Louisville plus three and a half at Kentucky. Hey, Dad. This is the obviously the toughest one. I, I'm going to take Kentucky. I think the uh, Kentucky will win by a touchdown. So give me the give me the Wildcats. Borky, tell me why Scott Satterfield should not be in the consideration for Coach of the Year. Because Ed Ogeron has LSU undefeated. I know, but in the like in the conversation, like should receive a couple of votes just because kind of thing. Okay, does that Good mean coach. you're taking Louisville? I am going to take Louisville. I, th- I think uh, the whole wide receiver playing quarterback thing is going to catch up to Kentucky this weekend. Who you got, Rippy? Louisville, I think. Would they get to nine wins if they win? Uh, they are sitting at seven and four right now. That would be their eighth win. It's okay. a remarkable turnaround. Just job. made that up, but turn, point still stands. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll go Louisville. I feel like every time you bet against Mark Stoops in Kentucky, you come up disappointed. But I lean in the direction of Louisville as well. Um, so I'll take Louisville and, and take the points in the game. Alabama minus three at Auburn. Alabama will cover this game. They will win it by a couple of touchdowns when it's all said and done. It may be close for a while. Uh, Borky. Wait, say that one more time just to make sure that I've got our, our bet correct? Yeah. What what What's the bet? That was just a stick. The, the usual. Yeah, but it was just, was it a winner or was it against the spread? Yeah, you gave Borky four and a half. Yeah, you gave me a lot of points. Relatively speaking, because Auburn's going to win the game. So, um, yeah, I'll take uh, those four and a half points, and uh, I'll enjoy a nice steak dinner on you. All right, so our side bet's four and a half, which is fine. Um, but for these purposes, we're dealing with Alabama as a three-point favorite. Borky's got Auburn. Hey, Dad, who do you have? This is my, my hottest take of the weekend. Alabama's going to steamroll Auburn. 20-plus okay. points. Rippy. I feel gross doing it, but I can't hop off the Auburn uh, bandwagon now. So Auburn, I don't really know why. Winner of this game goes to the Big Ten Championship game. Wisconsin minus three at Minnesota in the snow tomorrow. That's fun. That's fun football. Love it. Uh, But since Wisconsin's more physical and they have the better running back, they'll win. Hey, Dad. My absolute favorite rivalry trophy right here, Paul Bunyan's axe. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a boat rower. I believe in P.J. Fleck. Give me the Golden Gophers. Rippy? Hey, that brings up a good point. It's a good thing the Egg Bowl trophy is not sharp. But I think Minnesota gives itself a chance at the playoff next week. I don't think they beat Ohio State, but I think they'll give themselves a chance at it. So I'll go, I'll go Minnesota. I think I lean Wisconsin here. So uh, on Wisconsin. We got a bunch of games this week. Borky must be trying to make up some ground in the standings. <laughs> Vandy laying, tw- uh, I'm sorry, Tennessee, a 22 point favorite against Vanderbilt. Borky? Going with the fighting Derek Masons because even though the circumstances are a little bit different, he's owned Tennessee. And so three touchdowns, maybe he'll cover that. Uh, hey, Dad. No. No, we'll we'll go with Tennessee on this one. I could easily see them winning by four touchdowns plus. Rippy? Tennessee. Yeah, I'm not 
100% convinced that that Tennessee offense will be that good tomorrow, but I feel more comfortable with that than uh, Vanderbilt keeping it close. So I'll lay the 22 uh, with Tennessee. Uh, Texas A&M in Baton Rouge. I'll take LSU laying the big number, a 16.5-point favorite in the game. Um, I'm good with that. Rippy? Say that. What was it again? 16.5, LSU against Texas A&M. Uh, LSU easily. I'm in Borky's camp on this. Hey, Dad. They're going to put that revenge in a gumbo and heat it up tonight or tomorrow night. LSU all the way on this. All right, Borky, you too? Oh, for sure. And what's going to be funny is in year two of a 10-year, $75 million contract, people are going to be talking about a hot seat, which would just be hilarious. I think underachieving next year will bring the hot seat conversation for Jimbo, but it's not happening this year. 27-24, Memphis leading Cincinnati with 7.49 to play at the Liberty Bowl. The winner of this game will host the AAC Championship game next week. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. North half and state half championship games happening in high school football tonight in the state of Mississippi. No preview show tonight, but you do have the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show coming up tonight starting at 10 o'clock in 6A. Oxford and Starkville are meeting in the north half title game. Petal and Oak Grove are in the south half. 5A, West Point hosting Neshoba Central and West Jones hosting Picayune. In 4A, you've got Lawrence County at Poplarville and Corinth at Greenwood. The 3A North Half game features Jefferson Davis County hosting Columbia and Noxaby County hosting Choctaw County. So that's in 3A. In 2A, Taylorsville is hosting Scott Central. Taylorsville beat Philadelphia 47-30 to last week. And Charleston is hosting Northside. That is in 2A. And then in 1A, um, Noxipater is hosting Nanawaya today. Or Nanawaya. Na- Nanawaya. Sorry. And uh, Richton, do what now? You need Bart Gregory on here. He'll tell you how it's pronounced. Yeah, I know. Richton has got Lumberton coming at 7 o'clock tonight. So those are the north half and south half state games. Everybody trying to get to Hattiesburg next week for state championship games. So uh, those games being hosted at Southern Miss uh, next week. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family yesterday. If you were uh, were all tied up with football and had to postpone things, uh, maybe today is the day that you're celebrating, or maybe you're doing it uh, tomorrow. Uh, hey, Dad, how was, uh, how was Thanksgiving in the Junction? Oh, it was great. Plenty of people out there. We had a, a good spread. Good to see some friends that I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, enjoyed a pretty good. Man. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was done. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking that they had a pretty good Thanksgiving spread in the uh, the press box last night. Did, did you? Yeah. Partake. 
Nah, I was, I, you know what? One meal. That's all. That's all I'll allow oh, myself. That's right. So. That's right. Rippy, did you dive in and do a uh, Thanksgiving plate in the press box last night? Had a halftime hot dog. That. Oh God. You okay? Is is a good call. I think so. Why? Okay. You never know. What What is that? What does that entail? No, no, don't worry about it. If you're fine, you're fine. Well, I mean, I'm less than 24 hours after ingesting this thing. Well, we'll see how you feel on Monday. You're not a hot dog guy, hey? I don't. I don't eat hot dogs. Oh, I thought you meant there's something wrong with this specific hot dog. There's that too. Hmm. I'll report back. Okay. I'll if there had been a hot dog available post game last night, I would have had seven of them. <laughs> Without question. David um, Murray gave me a bag of peanut M and M's, and in the moment, they were the best M and M's I've ever eaten. You're that hungry. Yeah. There you go. Um, couple of questions on the ceasefire text line. This is one that we didn't get to early. Ended up not making a difference one way or the other. But uh, Chauncey Rivers with the uh, big time acting job on an injury late goes down and uh, does the uh, I've got a cramp thing and then hops off the field, or at least to uh, about the hash marks where they're kind of meeting as a team, getting that quick defensive timeout. And then when he gets on the other side of the people, kind of like with, where the Ole Miss sideline can't see him, just jogs off the rest of the way. It's just it's, a it's thing a in, football in college now. football. I was about to yeah, say, this is widespread. It is. It's absolutely widespread. I don't know if there's a team in college football that hasn't done it at some point. This year, team gets a big play. They're moving quickly. You need to slow things down. Ah, eh, just go down. They'll blow it dead. Do you think? Because they always look to the sideline to do it. Do you think there's like a universal signal for it? There could. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Who was the player from Ole Miss last year that took a bump like he was Ric Flair at Starcade '85? Uh, Kadir Shepard. Yeah. But like, what do you do? Like, do you like hit your knee? Like what? Like. We could get the Astros on this. Like, I would like to know what other teams are signing to have people like fall down like that. I don't know. Make the noise of a dying giraffe. <laughs> Maybe bang a drum or something in the dugout or sideline. No, that's, that's that's for a breaking ball. <laughs> uh, Three sixteen to play. Thirty four twenty four. Memphis leading by ten. Numbers of interest, Memphis was a 14-point favorite, and the total was 58-and-a-half. Memphis currently leading by 10, and the total number of points scored in this game currently 58. I think Memphis just issued the knockout blow at that touchdown because Cincinnati was down three and actually picked Memphis off, had the ball with six minutes left, a chance to take the lead, and uh, gave it right back to them. 316 to play at the uh, at the Liberty Bowl. With a win, Memphis will advance to the AAC Championship game and will host that game in a rematch with Cincinnati next Saturday. If Cincinnati wins, they will host the championship game and Memphis could be the opponent even with a loss tonight, but that would take a Navy loss tomorrow as well. If Navy were to win, then the midshipmen would be in the conference title game and Memphis would be watching. Right now, Memphis number 18, Cincinnati number 19. Memphis currently the highest-ranked group of five team. And 
if you finish as the highest-ranked Group of Five team, you're going to um, one of those access bowls, Boy, which would be a really big deal for uh, for Memphis. They're about to cap an 11-1 season, and that one loss was kind of a brutal one at the end of Temple. If that hadn't happened, what are you talking about today? Sack, fumble, recovered by Cincinnati. That would have given Memphis the ball at eleven at the eleven yard line of Cincinnati with three minutes to play. Um, say that again, Rippy. I just there, Memphis is about to cap an eleven and one season. That one loss was kind of a brutal one. You had the controversial call. Memphis didn't play very well at Temple. Like if that doesn't happen, what are you talking about today at the end of this? Memphis being the highest ranked Group of Five team and going to an Access Bowl. You don't think there's going to be Memphis. a little UCF to it? Yeah, there might be, but nobody would pay any attention to it. Oh, that's not true. Like they wouldn't get in, but you can't tell me if UCF 2.0 happened, it wouldn't. Uh, like people would pay attention. People love to get angry about that type of stuff. You might be right about that. Um, John and Corinth, when did it change and players start acting like this? And this is the reference to Elijah Moore and his celebration slash unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the end zone last night. Didn't ESPN do an entire documentary about the University of Miami doing crap like this all game, every game for multiple years, like two decades ago? Wasn't it entitled Catholics versus Convict? And that was a. No, the U. The U. The documentary was the U, but that was the rivalry. That's, That's right. what it was called. I mean, little revisionist history there. It's millennials. Well, I mean, fault. I think just asking when. It's your fault, Rippy. That is true. Um, let's see. I was trying to look and see. Has a player from either Mississippi State or Ole Miss, who is the school's Connerly nominee? ever been lifted from the Egg Bowl for ineffectiveness. Don't know that I've seen that before. That's a message from Lee on the C Spire text line. Um, obviously, you're talking about John Rice Plumley, who is Ole Miss's nominee for the Connerly Trophy. Did Colin Hill wrap that up last night? Probably. It's between him and Abraham, I would think. I just we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you know, Colin will win the, the the fan vote because there's just more state fans than Southern fans. So, yeah. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi on Tuesday will be at the Connerly Trophy presentation, Country Club of Jackson this year. That's coming up on uh, Tuesday night. Michael Borky uh, will host the show that day with Rippy and Hey Dad. I have a basketball assignment that night. Uh, on television. Memphis gets an interception at midfield with a minute 35 to play, and the Tigers are going to win their division and host the AAC championship game next Saturday. And uh, that's a good win for Memphis. Is Mike Norvell coaching at Memphis next year? If he is, he will forever coach at Memphis and whatever is keeping him from getting hired will I I disagree I think he might be at the point where he can be a little choosy it's exactly what I was thinking I think he's got the Memphis program to a point where they're going to win 9, 10, 11 games every year and he he has gotten to the point Arkansas 
Yeah, he's making two point eight million at Memphis also. Two and a half million. So it's good money, good job. He can be pretty selective at this point. What are you waiting for? Florida State is a very good job. Well, one of the best. We'll see if Florida State offer offers the job to him. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.